Luke chapter 17 tells this amazing story. And I said that God orchestrates life if we keep our eyes and our hearts open to see what he's doing around us, we would see that he's more involved in your and my life than we sometimes think. And the fact that Anna and her family, Anna representing the family, that they came up here uh, really goes along well with this message. I couldn't have, you know, asked for it to happen this way because this story is about, in my opinion, one man, even though there are others involved in the story. And in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, it begins to tell us about an encounter that not only Jesus had, but that these men had with Jesus. And my message today is a message, you know, on Sunday before Thanksgiving week. But I want to not only talk about Thanksgiving, I want to challenge us, as I always love to do when I'm up here, encourage us and challenge us to start shifting our thinking on what gratitude and being thankful do for our lives and what the potential is in allowing God to transform the way we think. Are you tracking with me? Is everybody still with me? Some of you are reading ahead. That's okay. I know you're bookworms and you love to read. It's all good. Go ahead and read ahead. You can read all the way to the end if you want. But it's a passage that really encourages and challenges us to change and shift our thinking. And if you, allow, if you and I allow God to begin to shift our thinking, the way we look at life, the way we think about things in life, we will see that God is way more involved than many times we are aware of. A few years ago, I started this little habit of trying to end my days with reflection. Trying to end my days meditating, reflecting, thinking about how I've lived that day, how I've behaved that day, what I've said that day, what I've done that day. Could I have done things differently? Could I have said things differently? Could I have responded, reacted differently? And during these times of reflection, they've led me to really change a lot of things that I was used to doing in the past. Because as I reflect on my days, it also opens up an opportunity for God to begin to speak to my heart. I don't know if you have times of reflection for yourself, but I want to share with you some things that, through God's word, inspired my search of just being better. Not perfect, because I'm far from that. Far from that. But just to try and be better every day. And I don't know how many of us today are here and are saying, you know what, Pastor Joe, I've kind of want and been desiring the same thing because I seem to 
always fall short, right? So gratitude and thankfulness are qualities and traits that you and I can begin to attach to our lives that not only bring spiritual healing, but can actually bring physical healing to us. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And so today we're going to do a few things. We're going to read this passage. I want to share some things with you um, that I have in my recent years have found, um, studies that I have found that go along with this that I thought were like, wow. But they're nothing new to God's word because God's word is like, you know, sprinkled with scriptures and stories of thanksgiving and gratitude. Okay? And so today as we go through these, you know, in these next 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to do a variety of things. We're going to listen. Um, we're going to also do and participate. So I hope you came to church today uh, with an open mind and an open heart, ready not just to receive but also to give. Everybody say, not just to receive but to give. All right? Jesus said that it is better to give than to receive. We all like receiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. I, have you ever been at a, at a drive-thru and then you get to the window and they say, oh, somebody already paid for it? You ever had that experience? Yeah? You got, right? How, did that make, how does that make us feel? Have you ever been to a restaurant and somebody, kind of, the waitress come and say, oh, your bill's been taken care of? Anybody? Did you ever get a little, little chime on your phone? I don't know if, how many of you live with notifications. I don't have a lot of notifications on my phone. I can't. I, that's, it's way too much. I'd probably go crazy. But... Um, some of us have our, like, money apps. I don't know what else to call them. With notifications, and every once in a while, you hear, like, a cha-ching, right? No? Anybody? I've heard those, and I, I jump. I'm like, what? Did somebody send me money? Like, I haven't, like, you know. So it, it does feel good, right? Receiving is amazing. You know, I love going to places that have, you know, rewards, right, by the way. My coffee shop, <laughs> after a certain amount of coffees, you get a free one. The car wash over there off of, that I go to in San Pedro. I don't live in San Pedro, but we're, like, all over the South Bay, okay? But the same thing. I love that. Go to eat at places. Hey, your four sandwiches on us. <laughs> awesome. Great. Jersey Mike's. I'm, like, doing a lot of shout-outs this morning. I, I <laughs> you know, yes, if they want to sponsor our leadership meetings, I'd be so happy with that, you know, be sending us trays of sandwiches and, you know, oh, man. Anyways, I don't want to get too off track. So we're going to do a little bit of everything today. I hope, I hope you came prepared. Luke chapter 17, let's read through that passage just a little bit. Is that okay with you? Beginning with verse 11, and it says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. So Jesus is not. In Jerusalem, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and it says that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, right? Samaria was an area that was kind of off limits to the Jews. They didn't want to associate. Um, they were a mixed uh, group of people, and so they didn't want to associate with them. It happened that as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through Samaria and Galilee, then as he entered a certain village, there met him, what does it say? What does it say? Ten men, okay? Everybody say ten. ten. 
there met him ten men who had leprosy. So these guys were outcasts. They didn't live in the city. Okay? They, he didn't meet them in the city. They weren't allowed to hang out in the city. They weren't allowed to enjoy all the luxuries and all the perks of being inside the community. In community, right, people help. People are there for each other, what we're supposed to be. In community, you are part of a group of people that are not just isolated. They're not isolated. You may go into your homes at times to isolate, but for the most part in community, especially in their days, there was a marketplace where you went to buy your groceries, to buy your produce, right? We love farmer's markets. I think they're fun. I love the atmosphere in farmer's markets. My wife and I used to go to a farmer's market on Redondo Beach right by the pier there in the parking lot by that little park. I think it's called Veterans Park there. I'm not 100% sure. But on their parking lot, they had a little farmer's market they would have on Thursday mornings. And I just love the, the I don't know why I'm like, but for some reason, we wouldn't even buy anything most of the time. <laughs> it was just fun to walk through and taste, you know, take the freebies. But sometimes we would, mostly the strawberries, because they look so delicious. And, um, but in community, you experience a lot of togetherness. You experience growth. You experience family. You experience friendships, barbecues, right? Right? Thanksgiving. And now there's a thing called Friendsgiving. You get together with your friends, and you celebrate your own, right, Thanksgiving dinner with your friends. These guys didn't have any of that. They were completely outcast. They weren't allowed to come even close. And if they did, and if people were approaching them, they had to make known their sickness, their disease, their illness, because it was so contagious. They had to shout out and say, unclean. There's a whole other message. We, I was ready to go down that rabbit trail right now, how... You know, for many, for us as sinners, we may not have the disease of leprosy as it was in those days. But spiritually, many of us continue, right? And the, the sin that we live in is like a leprosy, eating away at us every day. I'm going to save that one, okay? So these men had to shout out, unclean. We do really well hiding ours. Okay, I said I was going to save that for another day. But then he says that these ten men, listen, let's listen to this really carefully. What does it say next? When he saw them, verse 14, when he saw them, they shouted out, and they didn't shout out that they were unclean. They recognized who he was. I'll say it again. They recognized who he was. You have to read this, this story over and over and see what's happening here. They recognized who he was, and they shouted his name, and they called him Master. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, because they knew that he was going around preaching, teaching, and healing people. He was healing people of their physical sickness, all their diseases. And they knew the power that he had. So watch this. They don't come shouting to him, we're unclean, stay away. They just immediately said, 
we, we desire what you can offer us today. Have mercy on us and make us clean. But listen to what Jesus says. So when he saw them, he said to them, he didn't, like, shy away from them. He didn't run from them. But I find it interesting that it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that he laid hands on them. It doesn't tell them that he hung out. He immediately said, go back and present yourself to the priest. So when you were healed of your sicknesses, you had to first go to the local priest, to your local synagogue, show them that you had been healed, that your disease was gone. Once they, you know, checked you out, they gave the okay for you to come back into community. It's interesting, right? That's the power and authority that the rabbis had. So he says to them, go and present yourself to the priest. And it says that on their way there, I wonder what was going through their head. Okay, I'm gonna, let me not go into that too much. I start getting, when I start going into the passage with you guys, I start getting really excited about it. And then I want to just start asking all these questions about the scriptures. I would have felt like, man, he didn't even like, you know, heal us. Why is he sending us back to the priest, right? Kind of doesn't make sense. I wonder, there was 10 of them. Can you imagine the cheese man going on and the talk already going on? This guy, is he really who they say he is? He didn't even touch us. He didn't say anything about us. He just said, turn around, go back. What are we going back for? And it says that on their way back, on their way there, did you, are you seeing this? Or is it just me? Are you seeing this? All right, I want you, I want you to like also don't come to church just expecting to get fed, okay? Let's, let's not, let's get that out of our heads too. Don't just come to church expecting to get, you know, the little airplane and the spoon. That was for when we were like two or less or younger, right? Let's learn how to eat on our own, right? I want you to leave here with some growth and ways for you to also say, man, I want to get into this too, all right? Amen? So it says that, on their way back, they began to notice that they had been healed. On their way back to the priest, on their way there, they began to get healed. That's pretty awesome. That's the power that the Lord has. He doesn't even have to speak it. But our faith, right, our faith makes us what? Heals us. It's our faith. Many people think your pastors have these magical powers. Pastor, please pray for me. Okay, I have some demons messing around with me right now. Can you please cast them out? Cast them out yourself. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't want to pray for you. Please don't leave today saying, Pastor Joe, don't even want to pray for us. It's not that at all. I'll pray for you. I just, I'm just saying, you know, don't get mad when the demons come back. <laughs> That's your problem. That's what you're doing. No, I'm, I'm having a little fun with you guys. I'm having fun. But listen, the power of Jesus Christ, the, the word, the power of God's word teaches us that when we have Christ in our lives, we can function, we can walk in that same, we can live in that same, okay, authority, right? And we're under that same covering. We have to have our own faith. It's like I was sharing at Pastor Manuel, uh, Brother Manuel's, I, you know, he was kind of like a pastor. I'm just going to say it right now. He shepherded us, you know, to get busy and work. 
and clean the church. He would come over here and clean the church, and he'd call me out of my office when I was the youth pastor. That was over 15 years ago, and Joseph, where are you? Come help me. And we'd stack up the chairs, and we'd get the machine going. Elvis, Brother Manuel, he was hardcore. He didn't mess around. And uh, we'd stack these chairs up. They were green back then. The carpet was lighter, so now the stains kind of get away a little bit. So anyways, I was sharing with them how, you know, Jesus would challenge his disciples on forgiveness, and then they would say, that's a lot for us to handle. Please increase our faith. Right? That's, we, can't, we can't deal with that kind of forgiveness. We have to forgive that many times. And, for, and every time they come back, you're saying we need to forgive our enemies. Every time somebody wrongs them. So every time Christ would challenge his followers, or I shouldn't say every time, but a lot of the times they would respond with increase my faith because I can't handle that kind of forgiveness. Amen. I can't do that kind of forgiving, Lord. And that's how many of us, right? I started the message by saying, let's change our mentality, our mindsets. As we change our mindsets and we begin to apply God's word to a life, he begins a transformation from the inside. But we have to take his word and say, okay, I see that. I'm going to start trying this kind of language. What kind of language is that? Language of gratitude and not of negativity, not of I don't have enough. I can't do enough. I can't do that. I can't afford that. I can't do this or that. Here is ten men that received a transformation in their life, and they're now able to go back into community. Out of these 10 men, one of them comes back. One of them comes back, throws himself at the feet of Jesus, and says, thank you. He's grateful, not just because of his healing, but he understood that something deeper happened in his life. He realized that it wasn't just a physical thing that was happening in his life. A transformation was about to occur where he was now going to be able to come back and hang out with his family on feast days. Celebrate with his family and be able to share pita bread with his family and dip it in the same hummus bowl with his family and his kids. And be able to taste the goodness that it is to gather around a table. Having been healed, having been transformed, he said, more than physical healing has occurred in my life today. I am being made whole today. I am being made the person that he has desired of me to be today. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus says, Jesus says to him, what happened? Wasn't there 10 of you? Right? Wasn't there 10 of you? You know, I don't even know if I should say this. And I'm, I'm not like... Trying to put any, make anybody feel bad, okay? But, Anna, what you guys did today is kind of like this one man that came back. It's not for me. It's not for Rita. It's to give all glory to God. I am, I felt like I didn't do enough. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way? Because he, he impacted our lives. He impacted my life so much. I wanted to do more. Our attitudes, our lives, okay, our attitudes are a reflection of what God is either doing in our lives and us responding to that. So, Pastor Joe, how does this 
tie in with Thanksgiving. Well, I, w I didn't say I was going to be talking about turkey and cranberries and all that. That's not the Thanksgiving that I'm talking about today. I'm talking about a lifestyle that happens every single day. Pastor Joe, what happens when we begin to apply this attitude like this leper had who came back and fell at the feet of Jesus to say thank you, to express gratitude. So there's two different things, two different things happening here. Thankfulness is you and I basically just expressing, expressing, okay? Somebody opens the door for you, what do you say? I hope you say thank you. That was a really lame thank you right there. I was. I'm, I don't know if you guys were like questioning that or what, right? Somebody passes, you know, a napkin at the dinner table. What do you say, right? Somebody gives you a plate of food. What do you say, right? That's expressing thanksgiving verbally, right? Yes? So thanksgiving, being thankful, is you expressing because somebody did something wonderful for you. Somebody did something that you appreciate. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because they did something for you, right? And it felt good to receive that. It was a nice gesture. Oh, thank you. Muchas gracias, right? Ay, que Dios se lo pague. You guys ever heard that one? May God pay it to you or may God bless it to you? I tell them, no, you better kick some down. What are you talking about? I just spent five hours working here. You better do something. No. We say thank you as a response because we are, you know, we received something. They did something for us. Thank you, right? Gratitude. Watch this. Listen very carefully. Gratitude is different. Gratitude has to be an entire lifestyle. It has to be a mindset, okay? This is scriptural. I'm not talking these weird stuff today, church. I promise. It's a mindset that has to happen, and it only happens by practice, practicing this type of discipline on a regular basis. What am I talking about? Gratitude is what you and I have. That does not depend on how good things are going or how bad things are going. Gratitude says, Lord, I have a little, but I am grateful for it. I may not live in a big, giant house. That's okay. I don't need to live in a big, giant house. But if you want to give it to me, it's all good. You, right? You say, Lord, I'll receive it. I'll take it. I'll take care of it. I'll make it prettier than what I got. Gratitude is daily. It's a daily lifestyle that we have, not because somebody did something nice for me. Do you, is everybody tracking with what I'm saying? So how does this really transform and affect our lives? So I didn't, I didn't know all of this. A few years ago, I'm talking maybe, I want to say, man, it's been... I was still doing transitions ministry, the young adult college and career. So it's been some years. I came across this article because I wanted to talk about this with our young adults. And I found this article out of UC Davis. The article was written in 2015, okay, out of UC Davis. And they researched, they, they did a study with about 500 people, okay, over a, like a two or three month period. They took about 500 people. And they gave some of them the task of beginning 
a journal of gratitude every day for those two or three months. They said, we want you to write something you're thankful for every day, something that you're grateful for every day. What are you thankful for every day? After the whole study was done, what they found was those that, they, that didn't exercise or journal what they were thankful for continued to either stay the same or decline in their emotional or mental health. Everybody listening? All right. They began to either stay the same or began to decline in their mental or emotional health. Okay? Those that journaled every day, they saw an increase. Everybody say increase. How many of us want increase? This isn't even a message on prosperity. I don't even really believe in, we don't, we don't have a gospel of prosperity. We have a God who's given us, okay, and prospered to us, and he's lavished on us so much blessing. But we are the ones that are holding back the increase. I'll be honest right there. Again, that's a message for another day. <laughs> Everybody say increase again. Those who began to exercise and practice journaling Thankfulness every day, every day, not once in a while, not once a week, not twice a week, every day began to see an increase. They began to come out of their depressions. They began to feel their anxiety levels go down. Then watch this. Then they found something else that they didn't even expect. They began to feel healthier. Their bodies began to feel better. So this was 2015. Read this article. Fast forward three weeks to these last three or so weeks, I've been in the youth ministry, and I've been sharing with them some strategies on how to thrive in life and not just survive through life, but how to thrive in life as young people, as teenagers, start exercising these things. So I did an experiment over there. Now, I only did a one-week experiment, like from one Wednesday to the other. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert. All I said was, guys, because fast forward, I find another article out of Westmont College. This one really blew me away, okay? Another article out of, out of Westmont College that started to talk about, that started to talk about this Research that had been happening in neuroscience, now we're talking about the brain, okay, neuroscience, and how researchers who are not even believers in God, I hope you guys are interested in this. Am I boring you? Am I boring you guys? Anybody? If I am, oh well, you're already here. You might as well just finish the show. You just stay till the end. Non-believers in God's word, non-believers in God. And they write this book. <laughs> this is interesting. You want to hear the title of this book? Hold on. I'm 
I'm getting there. I had a lot of notes today. How God, you listening? Write this down. You might want to read this book. I haven't read, read the book, but it's on my list. I'm going through three books right now, so I just, you know, I said I'm not even going to entertain the thought of reading another book. Let me finish the ones I'm on. But this one says, how God, okay, unbelievers, completely unbelieving neuroscientists and researchers. How God changes our brain. Breakthrough findings from leading neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Newberg. Dr. Andrew Newberg. How God changes our brain. The guy doesn't even believe in God. But the research they did, watch this. Listen to this really carefully. The research they did was that they studied, again, they studied practices of people who have faith, who take time to pray every day, who take time to meditate on God's word. So they told people, do this for 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day. We waste more time scrolling. Some of you have, some of you have like, some of us, some of us, let me change that. Some of us have a muscle, you know, one of our thumbs is bigger than our other one. And we could flex it. We could probably lift. We could probably push a car, okay, with our thumbs. 12 minutes a day, they said. Watch this, okay? Are you ready? Okay, watch. Engaging in 12 minutes a day of personal reflection and prayer each day, he said, makes profound impact on our brain. It strengthens a unique neural circuit. See, in the past, neuroscientists believed that after some time, our brains would stop. Like, the growth in our brain, the ability of our mental capacity would stop, would have a limit, and then just begin to decline. Now they're finding that, no. There's a term called neuroplasticity. And they're saying that our brain actually has the power and capability to create new pathways. And that when our brain is exposed to positive thinking, okay, I'm going to switch that and say when our brain and our thoughts are exposed to scripture, God's truth, God's word, because that's what these guys came down to. They said, when the brain started to experience and encounter times of meditation on God, faith in God, prayer, reflection on God, for just 12 minutes a day, they found the brain started like transforming and creating these new neural pathways and connecting and creating new pathways. And they were like, what's going on here? But when the brain experiences negativity, when the brain experience, experiences depression or false hopes or anything that's negative, then I would say anything outside of the scope of God. They began to see that the brain started releasing those bad natural chemicals to the body, which result in depression, anxiety, and physical decline. Blood pressure goes up, 
there was all these like things. I have them all written down right here. But if I start reading all this, it's just gonna be like probably like we'll be here another hour, right? So I was like blown away because I said, Lord, your word is like saturated with all these facts already. What are we doing with what you already showed us? Well, on one hand, it's wonderful that science is beginning to prove that there's a connection there and there's real truth there to how you and I should be living our lives. And if we live our lives this way, this gentleman may not be a believer. He may not believe in God, and he states that. But I think he's, like, on his way. I think he's, like, almost there. And he's finding these things and is starting to probably question in his heart and in his mind, my goodness, there must be some truth to this, right? If we begin to practice more gratitude on a daily basis, it can transform your and my life. It really can. If we begin to tap into the source of that gratitude and understand that God is involved in our lives more than we think and care to even like consider, we would see so much more health in our physical bodies, our emotional, our mental, our physical. I'm not kidding. They're proving it now. I mean, they were connecting it to diabetes, heart disease. They were saying all these things. They saw a decrease when people were experiencing more of God in just 12 minutes a day. So what are we doing with what God has given us? I have to ask myself. That's a question that I'm, I'm really asking myself. What am I doing with what you've given me? So we're going to do something real quick. If you want, I'll, e I'll email you my notes. You can get all these little things and everything and, you know, the titles of the articles. The most recent one was called Gratitude. And then it said Good Medicine. The, what they're finding is amazing. So we're going to do a little test like I did with the teenagers over there. I told them, hey, you guys, let's try this with me. Let's see if this is true. I said, Listen to worship music and read your Bibles for a whole week. Let's see who comes back next week and says that they did it and they saw a little bit of different change in them or whatever. So, you know, I'm a doubter. I'm, I'm like, they're not going to listen. They're not listening to me. They're just there to see the grills and, you know, vice versa and get pizza and stuff like that. I was like, they're not listening to me. So this last Wednesday, I said, hey, how many of you guys did the little experiment? And, like, a bunch of them raised their hands. Blew me away. Blew me away. One young girl came and said, Pastor, I was, she's, I don't know her age. She looks like she might be 15, 16 years old. And she said, Pastor, years ago, I was getting very depressed, very depressed. And I didn't know how to get out of it. And I started, somebody told me, I, I don't know if she said her mom or somebody in her life told her, start reading the word of God more. So she said, she, start, she, she was like, I just tried it. And my life completely changed. I started feeling better and good about myself. This is a 15, 16-year-old. So let's do this. I don't know if you bring things to write with, journal with. I wanted to give you all like a little church journal, but I don't think we have enough. Besides, they're for our first-time guests only, okay? So, but if you don't have something, you have a smartphone, right? And our smartphones have notes. But watch this. I'm going to challenge you even further right now. We're going to do it right now.
Okay, we're going to do it right now. I want you to think of three things that you are thankful for and write them down right now. And whether you choose to do this from now on and have your own, have a separate journal of gratitude next to your bed, cool. If not, that's, that's fine. You know, grown folk anyways. Now, if you don't have something to write with right now or to type on your phone, okay, if you don't want to do a note, Pastor, that's too much thinking for me right now. I haven't even had my coffee. I haven't had breakfast. I don't want to even write. And that's fine. Look, I'm going to challenge you a little bit further. Is there someone in your life? Is there someone in your life that you're thankful for? Maybe they're not here right now. Can you think of someone in your life that you're, yeah, you're thankful for? Maybe two. I don't know. Take out your phone. This is the only time you're ever going to hear this from a pastor. Take out your phone and text them right now. Just say, hey, I was thinking about you, and I want to let you know that I'm thankful for you. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you know deep down inside you've been hearing a little voice say, hey, you need to get in touch with this person again. Hey, you need to reach out to this person again. Forget about what happened. Forget about this, that, whatever. And just reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know that I'm thankful for you. Or I just want to let you know that I love you. Maybe you're not thankful for them. But God calls us to love each other. And you know what? He says even bigger and greater and even more difficult to do. He says, love your enemy. He says, pray for your enemies. Watch out. So everybody, everybody write something? Yeah? Everybody send a text message? Those of you who chose to do that? All right. I'm going to give you guys like another second. For those of you who are done, or you wrote one or two things, some of you are just going to probably keep writing all day. All right? Overachievers. Just, Pastor, I'm so thankful. I didn't have enough paper. My pen ran out of ink. Don't break your hands. All right. I want to leave you with a story. And then you can go, I promise. The clock is already red on me. That means I've gone over my 30-minute mark. There's a gentleman named Itzhak Perlman. Pastor Isaac introduced him to me probably like when I first started coming to the church uh, over 25 years ago. And since then, I became a fan as well. And I listened to classical music occasionally, not always, and, but I appreciate it. And he was born with polio. This is him in the background. Hopefully you don't fall asleep. And he's an extremely well-accomplished musician, arranger, composer, all of that. He's amazing. He's amazing. He has polio or had polio. And when he makes his way onto stages, it takes some, it's like a lot of effort because he has braces on both legs. And he 
on one occasion, this, there's a story that um, he's walking onto a stage in New York City. Leave it just like that, guys. That sounds like so sweet right there. And he's, as he's making his way to the stage, he gets to his chair, takes him a minute. People are like really anticipating the concert. And about two or three bars into the music, into the song, or into the track, whatever you want to call the, the composition, right? One of his strings on his violin breaks. He could have easily stopped. He had just started the concert. He could have stopped, taken a little quick break, replaced the string. But instead, he continued on. And he finished the entire concert with three strings on his violin. And at the end of the concert, the people like went nuts because the music, his playing, his performance didn't suffer by the one string. Can you believe that, Trucker? That's amazing. His music didn't, the music didn't suffer. They didn't notice. If anything, he probably even, I'm guessing, sounded even greater. I mean, the people, they said at the end, couldn't hold back the applause. And as he finishes, he raised his bow, which I guess in those settings is a sign for silencing or to silence the crowd. So the crowd got silent. He stood up. And he said to, he addressed the entire crowd. And he said to them, you know, it's the artist's, the artist's task to make beautiful music with what you have left. It's the artist's task to make beautiful music with what you have left. He had to, in his mind, on the spot, as he was playing, make adjustments to his positioning of his hands. If you know anything about music, I don't know a lot about that kind of stuff. I'm a drummer. I just bang. But you have to make a lot of adjustments to make up for the string that's not there. And he says, you know, this is life sometimes. What are you doing with what you have? And I guess that's the question that I want to leave you with is what are we doing with what God has given us? Are we making excuses that we never have enough? Or that we don't like this, or we're not happy here, or we're not happy there? Or are we saying, Lord, the fact that I am alive is enough. The fact that you give me life today is enough. Are we asking the question in our lives, what do I need to adjust to have a better attitude in life? An attitude of gratitude. An attitude that does not change based on what is happening around me, based on my circumstances. That's the kind of Christian, that's the kind of believer, that's the kind of child of God that I want to be. That life itself, good or bad, is not dictating my response to God. My response to God stays the same and consistent every time. So what are we doing with what God has given us? So as we go into this season, 
let's not make it a season in our lives anymore. Let's make it a lifestyle. Amen? Let's make it a lifestyle. Amen? Would you stand with me? Lord, may we come back to your feet. And thank you on a regular, daily basis for the life you give us. Because you made us whole. When we came to you, you not only healed us physically, but you brought wholeness to our lives. Just like this leper came and threw himself at your feet, you said to him, your faith has made you well. You didn't just heal his disease. You brought wholeness to his life. And it wasn't based on earthly things. It wasn't because he had accomplished much. It was something as basic and simple as having faith in you. May our lives be a response of gratitude, not because we have or don't have. May our lives be a response of daily gratitude for what you've done for each and every one of us. And you took our place on a cross that we deserved, that we still deserve today. We thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you've extended to us who are unworthy, who don't deserve it, but you made a way. And you said, I'll take their place. I'll take his place, and I'll die for his sins. It is you who makes us well today. You know the situations, the circumstances, the struggles, the battles that your children, your people face. And today your word is a reminder that you are with us, that you are with us. And that to each and every one of us, no matter where we are in life, you are there with us. And you make us well should we choose to receive what you have for us. And so today, Lord, as we leave your house, may we leave and not just keep for ourselves and in our pockets what you have done. But may we share it and be a light to others that they may see our gratitude of what you have done, the transformation that you have brought. We thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. May our lives be a reflection full of gratitude because of what you do for us every single day. We pray a blessing. I pray a blessing over your people today. Cover them, 
Keep them. May your divine hand be upon them wherever they go. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. You guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving.